Well, hello there and welcome to the Speak Up with Laura Camacho podcast. And this is your host, Laura Camacho, and I'm so glad you're here. This is the beginning of our holiday series. I'm bringing three encore episodes to you. I I don't want to say my favorites, but they're ones that I really, really liked. But I have to say, I bring on so many beautiful, interesting guests and I learned so much from them. But Jeff Klubik, is somebody, he came, I believe, in late 2021, and he's from Southern California. Just on a related note, you know, I'm a communications professional, a lot, but not all of the people that come on this program are also communications professionals. And a lot of times, most of the time, I would say probably 80% of my work, maybe 85 I'm working with engineers, finance people, teams uh, to help them who are not communication professionals to, to have more influence, to get their point across, to be more interesting. And then there are times when I get to work with other communication professionals and I have a workshop next week and I was thinking, wow, this is, a, you know, it's definitely, a, it's not intimidating, but it's a different approach because there are people that have gone to school just like I did. And in fact, they probably learned more from school than I did. Jeff Klubeck, he's a communications professor, professional also. He also was teaching at the university. He may still be doing that, but he's kind of the opposite from me. He's very charismatic, chatty, like me, has three kids. We really hit it off well. He also is really good with metaphors. He gives an excellent metaphor on hunting to communication and why then the fear of communication or the fear of public speaking and good hunting. It's just, I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to give you a spoiler alert. It's really good. Another big topic for Jeff is integrity and how to hold people accountable without being a jerk, without being super hard on them. He shares a great story on Kobe Bryant, who's, you know, a Southern California basketball player. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. This is episode number, it's Encore episode 217, and it's coming out right as we're getting ready for the holiday. So I hope you all enjoy time off and we're going to have this week and the next two weeks I'm releasing the same thing, different encore episodes that have been edited down with a little bit of why I thought you would enjoy this. WWW, Speak Up with Laura Camacho. My book is The Practical Guide to Effective Communication. Get recognized for the value you already contribute would make a great holiday gift. And uh, let me know what you think of this encore episode. Here is Jeff. All right, Jeff, well, welcome to the Speak Up podcast. We're glad to have you here. I want you to feel welcome. I'm in Charleston. I think you're in California, right? Yeah, thank you for having me. Sunny California is a little bit cold and overcast today, but yeah, Southern California, San Diego. So we're kind of like on opposite ends of the country, but we have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, like, Jeff still teaches at the university. I left that. But oh, I, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I retired in uh, oh, 2017. So I'm a retired adjunct professor. I taught at San Diego State, Miramar College, San Diego City College. But I just want to be clear. I retired in 2017 because I was coaching speaking training and it took me all around the world and oh, I couldn't okay. maintain in the classroom anymore. My apologies. But so, yeah, I, I, I had 20 consecutive years of teaching before I retired. But yeah. Okay. Well, I just have nine or 10. 
2010. I don't remember, but then I left that in 2010. So anyway, we know what it's like to be in the classroom with mm -hmm. college kids yes. and to get them motivated and articulate and that, um, you know, backing up your points with actual things that make sense is um, kind of a challenge. It was a challenge at the time. So <laughs> tell, tell me, how did you become this coach? You know, I know you have the academic chops, but what is it that led you to the speaking career? And, and tell us about your background. Yeah, thank you. I mean, first of all, it's my love for my wife that leads me everywhere. Like, I, I'm constantly trying to figure out how I deserve this woman and my three kids. And I'm just a very lucky dude. So I get up every day thinking, how do I help people? How do I help people? And I think that's, if I just work on helping people, I'm going to deserve my wife and kids and, and all the good health that I've gotten, all of that. But I'm an empath. I've always been that guy that people felt comfortable talking to and expecting an honest answer in, in a way that was non-threatening. Anyway, I, I decided to monetize that. But like the communication skills, they transferred. It's not just a professor, but as a professor of public speaking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's not just back up your argument with evidence and reasoning. It's get over the fear right, right, of right, public speaking. So I realized as I was getting my master's degree and as I was becoming a graduate teaching assistant and as I was working with people that were quote unquote, afraid of public speaking, mm -hmm. I had to become not a professor, not a master of communication, but I had to become a fear fighter. Mm, fear fighter. That is super cool. Well, how do you do that? How do you fight <laughs> the fear? Tell us. Well, there's a, there's a lot of ways, but to be brief, you got to build trust. You know, mm -hmm. nobody's going to let you help them with anything unless they trust you. Mm -hmm. Trust comes from credibility. Trust comes from a willingness to take time to get to know somebody. Mm -hmm. Trust comes from your accessibility. Am I accessible? Am I transparent? Am I authentic? Do you mm -hmm. sense that I care? Am I asking you questions and listening with a compassion in my mm -hmm. heart? Then you might open up and let me help you with something. Mm -hmm. right? Another part of fear fighting fear, I'm saying, is helping people see the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. So in personal professional growth world, Fear is false evidence appearing real. Right. A lot of times people are afraid of something that's just not true. Like, you know, like the, oh, if you gave me the best boat, the best crew, made sure I was the best trained sailor, gave me a blank check to go and trade with, that doesn't matter if I believe the world is flat. Right. 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 Okay. So I'm sure that there's a lot of engineers that believe they don't have good people skills and that's why they're not right. presenting their ideas. There's a lot of engineers that believe the person that is doing all the talking is horrible at it. And right. I don't want to be that person. There right. are I'm sure there are engineers that they're hardwired to imagine what could go wrong. That's why they're great engineers. Mm -hmm. So now all they're thinking about when it comes to presenting their ideas is what could go wrong. And so one of the things that helped me fight fear is to get people to think about what could go right. Weeds grow on their own. We, they, we, weeds don't need okay. any help from us, but fruit, vegetable, nutrients, the good stuff does take our care, our soil, our nutrients, oh, or even grass here, aeration and all that. We yeah. have to, if we want good stuff to grow, we have to put our attention to that. Well, public speaking is no different. Mm -hmm. I want to you to explain a little bit about being an empath, but I, yeah. and I want to remind our audience, first of all, that I am not an empath. I think they know, you all know, those of you who know me, know I'm not terribly empathetic, <laughs> and it, but I have even proof about it. I took a personality test, Jordan Peterson's personality test, mm -hmm. and I know not everybody's a Jordan Peterson fan, but he has a great personality test, and I tested low in compassion, 
So I was surprised. My family was like, no, that, that sounds about right. It's interesting. <laughs> well, we judge it. Here's a quick one. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but everybody else is just judging the behavior. Yes, exactly. And vice, and vice versa is true. Now, it's interesting. I don't know if this will come up for us today, but the same thing when I'm doing public speaking and I'm doing keynotes or uh, soft skills trainings that lead with the keynote is how many of you believe you have integrity? Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. you yeah. can see it in your head. 100% of the room will raise their hand. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, keep your hand up and repeat after me. I, I do do solemnly swear, swear, not mm-hmm. to shoot the messenger in 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> good. Okay. Because good I didn't ask you if you think you're a good person. I expect mm-hmm. you all to raise your hand. Mm-hmm. But I asked is if you have integrity. And it's usually a word that we only use when accusing others of not having it rather than doing right. the word of looking within. Right. But now empath is engineers. They are like, it's instinctual for them to understand what could go wrong. Right. And mm-hmm. analytical is, is and to is, think uh, about it and to focus and to put but it's automatic for them. It's automatic. For them. They yeah. can see it in their head. They can feel it. Well, same well, as attorneys. They're also, I mean, they also, they're, because they're analyticals. They live on like one side of the moon and on the other right. side of the moon are the empaths, the emotive. <laughs> okay. Right. In other words, I can like hear a tone shift mm-hmm. in your voice and my body processes that into feeling the emotion that produced right. that tone shift. Right. Right. So I have a God given communication skills and then I integrated that with my man made or self made mm-hmm. skills. Is it not exhausting to be like <laughs> so empathetic all the time? Hang on a second. You know what? It's exhausting to constantly try to find a solution for something that is a 0.0002 probability of actually yeah. occurring. That's, that's, that's a little more exhausting <laughs> to me. Thank you. The people that I do want to move up. I do want to be director, senior director. I do want the bonuses. I do want to travel. I do want the, to get the highest level in this company I possibly can. Okay, they're going to need to develop some soft skills. (laughs) Big time. Well, what they need is influence and persuasion, Jeff. So lay it on us. Like, what does that mean? And especially now we're coming back to work. I mean, I'm sure you're experiencing that your client companies like there seems to be like three days a week in the office seems to be like the working norm for right now, Mm -hmm. Uh, even abroad. I'm talking to people that are, you know, just beginning to get back to work. Does that change getting back to the office? Does that change influence and persuasion? What a huge question. I'll say yes from the perspective of you can never step in the same river twice, theoretically, philosophically, right? Whether we're in the office or not, you know, post COVID is just different than COVID period. You can never Mm -hmm. step in the same river twice. Everything changes, changes, changes. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what else changes when it comes to influence and persuasion. Influence and persuasion from like a professional or a public perspective. Like, let's go back to like the father of persuasion, Aristotle. Aristotle, my man. Yes. My man. Yeah, I love how you cheer for that because I too believe that in a past life, he and I were beer drinking buddies. I believe Socrates, uh, Plato, and Aristotle were my, yes. were my dart throwing beer drinking buddies. You know, anyway, I digress. <laughs> Logositos pathos, right? So he came up with the ingredients of persuasion, right? You know, we need the logical argument. We need, you know, ethos. We need credibility in delivering that argument and pathos. We need the emotional appeal. So what Aristotle taught us, which is what I call the integrity game, is that one alone might be enough to influence and persuade. Just an argument alone. If you touch fire, you will regret it. That might be enough to get me to 
stop touching fire. But I might also need to give a story or I might also need to provide statistics. If we have a logic, if we have credibility, and if we have emotional appeal, that increases our chances. So the easiest answer that I have for you is if you're a leader, want to be a leader, want to be a person of influence, you make sure you're bringing all three ingredients to the party. Do I have logic? Does D follow from A and C, right? Am I operating on fallacies or ignorance or misinformation? Or is there sound, valid logic? Which the engineers and corporate analyticals, they have no problem with the logic part. Oh, yeah, and no, they, don't, they don't have as much problem with the credibility part either. Nope, nope. It's the pathos. It's, it's the, the emotional pathos. appeal. Yeah. Yep. So, so this is the, the piece. Mm-hmm. Emotional appeal. If I am an enraged elephant <laughs> and you're the rider... Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> if you want me to go right, but I'm an enraged elephant, which way am I going to go? There's wow. all the logic in the world isn't going to get me to go right. You have to appeal to my emotion. Mm-hmm. Either one, you have to appeal to my emotion to get me to go where I need to go or shape the path. If you've done the work ahead of time to shape a path, mm-hmm. if I'm an enraged elephant, I'm not going to slow down and say, hmm, what's the best path right now? I'm just going to run down the one that's mm-hmm. correct. Right? Shape right. the path appeal to emotion shape the path mm-hmm. appeal to emotion now that metaphor i got from a book by chip and dan heath switch was the name of the books and give credit where credit's due they also wrote a great book called made to stick which is what makes messages sticky mm-hmm. so that's another part of leadership and influence is avoiding the want 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 so right. it comes down to sticky messaging I was on a Zoom earlier this morning and they said, hey, Jeff, you're old enough. I'm going to turn 50 next week. He says, you're old enough to remember Reader's Digest, but a lot of people, yeah. to the, right? And I would imagine. Yeah, I remember. Be, the dentist's like, okay. office or something. <laughs> the Reader's Digest version of something, right? Yeah. Well, the reason is that there's just some things that generations these days weren't exposed to, right? Like it's one thing right. to say, oh, people don't even know what a real telephone is. Right. Correct. Right? Yeah. Well, well, watch this. The opposite of that, Laura. The opposite of that mm-hmm. is that before influence and persuasion in the days of Aristotle, you had to leave your home, go to the town square, and in the early days of democracy, watch somebody use logos, ethos, pathos to get your vote. Right. right? So right. how many engineered persuasive messages were we exposed to per day in Aristotle's day? Not very many. <laughs> Compared to how many engineered persuasive messages are we exposed to today? Thousands per second. Yeah. I'm looking right. at one right now. I know this is audio only, but I see your logo behind you. You can see yes. my my yes. picture with Shaquille O'Neal and the shoes right. in the Miami Heat and like my right. San Diego State logo on my sweatshirt. Yes. Like everywhere I look, there is engineered persuasive messages bombarding us. So now it's not just the original ingredients of persuasion, which we're now becoming desensitized to and dumbed to. Mm-hmm. Right now, the appeal to real emotion is just as true as ever. But we're dealing with a different set of emotions, right? We need right. To be- a more jaded audience. Everybody today is overworked, overwhelmed, overzoomed, and distracted. You got because, it. And they're exposed to all these engineered persuasion messages. We need to be able to deviate from the engineered logical strategy and really make ourselves available to what hurts for people and how can we craft our message in a sticky way that gives them mm-hmm. hope or motivation or encouragement that we can get them out of pain or closer to pleasure. Forget what we do as a leader or an influencer, or there's two things that motivate people. We know this is not pleasure and pain are the only two things that motivate people. So now that's where the question starts. What are you going to do to get people out of pain and towards pleasure? What environment are you going to do that in? How do you get their attention? What matters to them? 
You know, you got to really start caring about other people. A lot of leaders like, how do I be a better leader? How do I be a better leader? What leadership skills do I need? Mm-hmm. How can I get everybody to just adore me? <laughs> no, that's not it. You have to actually adore them. This is my take <laughs> right. on it. Like, it's not public speaking isn't about us. This is yeah, the whole thing. Exactly. This is the one thing that people really, really miss when it comes to public speaking. Yes. What do I do with my okay. hands? I want to just point that oh. out to you people listening. <laughs> it's not about you. That's it. That's, it. that's the whole secret of public speaking. It is not about you. Mm-hmm. I, you I've talked to one client in particular who's a super duper overperformer, and she has so much fear about being judged. And I've told her this, and you know this, that her audience is not thinking about her, oh, except in the context of what are you going to do for me? <laughs> well, how are you going to help me? Why are you talking to me? It's not about you. It's about your audience. That is the secret to getting your message across. Are you ready for this? I'm going to make up a word for you, Laura. You're motivated. I'm going to write it down. I'm writing it down. Are you ready? It's epicentral. Epicentral. Ooh, that's a good one. I just made that up. You know, like I like the (laughs) idea of an epicenter of an earthquake. Well, we can being biographical for Mm -hmm. our audience instead of autobiographical about what I love that. Is epicentric to success in public speaking. Can you give a metaphor to hopefully let this sink in with some of your listeners? The best hunter, forget about public speaking for a second. The best hunter isn't the person that says, I got the best ammo. I got the best camo. I got the best gear. I have the best truck. I go to the best spot. I've got the best gun. That's not the best hunter. The person that's trying to get all the good stuff and try to be the, the best hunter isn't the person trying to be the best hunter. The best hunter is the one that's trying to be the animal. I know how the animal walks. I know what sounds the animal makes when it wants to play versus when it wants to defend itself. I know what time of day the animal is most likely to graze versus rest. I know what other animals are. A th- I know the movements, the subtleties, the patterns. Like for me, when I was becoming a dad, I actually knew my when my children would cry my ba- when they were infants, babies. I knew what it was. I'm a wet cry versus I'm a hungry cry yeah. versus I want to be held. There was yeah. a different tone of voice for I want to be held versus I'm I need to be changed versus I'm hungry. And so so the person that is trying to be the animal can be one half step ahead of the animal. Yes. Which would make them a better hunter. Exactly. And the same is true public speaking. We need to study our audience, understand our audience. We need to be able to answer questions about our audience. Right. What's their demographic? What's their psychographic? What are the situations they encounter? What hurts for them? We all know about frequently asked questions, like FAQs when we go to a website. Here are the frequently asked questions that we thought we'd answer for you before you call us on the phone and ask us. Mm-hmm. What are the right. fre- like? So, what are the FEPs? What are the frequently encountered problems? Ooh, FEPs. All right, I just made that up too. Yeah, <laughs> you're inspiring me, Lauren. All right. Well, I, you, I, you understand. I have- I'll be such a better speaker if I do the work of understanding what are the FEPs of my audience, right? Or right. the FDOs. Oh you know the frequently <laughs> desired opportunities. Oh, desired opportunities. Why Fre- frequently encountered problems or frequently desired opportunities? What am I focused on? Pleasure and pain for my audience. What equals pleasure and pain for my audience? Right. Right. And so, if I can empathically or biographically immerse myself into imagining what it's like to be them, then work backward to write a speech that will appeal to that. 
rather right. than trying to draw them into me and 100 of the audience loving me forget that yeah i know i know unless you're giving <laughs> out 300 bills if you're doing that everybody will love you for yeah, yeah, the yeah. duration of the handout but i i, I want to share an addendum to your uh hunting story because yeah, i have yeah, a lot yeah. of hunters in my family and i went but it brought back this memory near charleston and the, the boonies of south carolina going fishing with my grandfather and him telling me to be quiet because i was disturbing the fish because <laughs> so, he said the, you're scaring the fish away and i always thought that was so how did he know that and i was thinking he just wants me to be quiet but maybe that's he's thinking like the fish and maybe he was right anyway i think that's funny but there's more territory we need to cover because right. i promised the people listening that we were going to cover influence and persuasion and internal accountability. I want some goodness of, on accountability. And you mean holding yourself accountable or people that you work with? And especially if you have any tip, the hardest kind is with peers. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. It's like, ask me what my favorite ice cream is. What's your favorite ice cream? Whichever one I'm eating. <laughs> okay. So, so is true with the hardest thing about accountability. What's the hardest uh -huh. thing about accountability? Whatever you're trying to do in that moment. Uh, okay. Well, all right. All right. Okay. So, all right. Here's why. Okay. Accountability. First of all, you have to understand accountability is one of these things that we usually accuse other people of needing without looking within first. That's kind of uh, tricky. They. Well, that's why I wonder if we're going to get to talk about it, but integrity, the integrity game, that's the book that I'm coming out with next week. Okay. And the subtext is a it's a parable set to baseball, but I'm trying to make it an easy and fun kind of non-academic, you know, like a parable. But mm -hmm. the subtext is motivation plus accountability equals results. Oh, motivation, absolutely. motivation plus accountability equals results. So I've got trademark protection on this, the integrity game, registered service mark with the subtext, motivation plus accountability equals results. So what I'm trying to do here is take you on a story about a baseball player and a season ticket holder and a hot dog vendor <laughs> to try to teach this really tough subject of looking within. When people use the word integrity, they're only accusing somebody else of not having it, but they don't look within. Like I said, if you raise your hand, how many of you believe you have integrity? Everybody's going to raise their hand. Right, right. But so the the question, are you talking about holding self accountable or holding other people accountable? And it's really I'm talking, I want to just go to peers because I mean, people that are listening to this or listening to us right now are yeah. like the super duper high performers, the, okay. the, the, the rockets okay. taking off. They hold themselves accountable and their team. But when it comes to pe that influence of the peers, yeah. it's a little bit more tricky. All right. Okay. So yeah, way tricky, way tricky, way tricky. So let's just start with one thing at a time because I, I have a million things to say about this. Okay. Because okay. I train coaches and leaders on accountability. Are you ready? Yep. I'm writing it down. Permission. Okay. Permission. Ask permission to hold Not ask. Secure. Oh, secure. Okay. I don't get to hold you accountable or it doesn't get any easier for me just because I asked you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and even if you say, yeah, you have permission, guess what? I only have permission to say what I'm going to say so that your ego can defend it. Mm -hmm. Follow? Okay. Right. So a lot of times when people say, hey, can I be honest with you? Can I uh, share something honest with you? Somebody goes, yeah, but it's only a half yeah. What you have is permission to say what's about to be said, but it's half a loaf because ego defense, right? The same thing, same reason we flinch when we hear a buzz by our ear. Right, right, right. Even if it's a fly instead of a bee. Right. But to me, if somebody says, can I be honest with you? 
then I'm I'm like, why aren't you honest with me all the time? Number uh, one. Yeah, yeah. Number you, you already you're already defending yourself, and you've right. already, and, and already and diluted got, the message. Yeah, like what's the so, point? So that's your- why I would say no. I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm going to secure mm-hmm. it. Okay. I'm going to make you? sure I have it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But earn permission, not you're ask. Gonna earn it. Okay. I'm earn permission. How do you earn permission? By really taking the time to get to know them and who they are and what motivates them. The same reason I want to be successful in public speaking. Mm -hmm. Peer accountability isn't about holding you accountable the way I do it and holding you accountable to what I think the standard is. And, hey, I'm a high achiever. We're a high achieving team. This is a high achieving culture. So get with the program. Right. (laughs) That's not not accountability. That's judgment. Mm -hmm. And it's autobiographical judgment. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I'm going to say is, Hey, can we go to lunch and spend some time? Uh, you know, I, we work together and I admire you for a lot of reasons. I just want, I want to learn more about you. I want to see what, what mm-hmm, motivates mm-hmm. you. What are you excited about? What's your perspective on things? Yeah. So like to invest in your relationships with the peers is going to pay off. Yeah. And even, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it that way. I'm not investing in the relationship because mm-hmm. now the goal is I want something from you. It's us together. What I'm investing in is you. It's not our relationship. Oh, okay. Okay. You follow? See, it's your potential. I lack your compassion. Your potential, your potential is what I'm invested in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. regardless of what our relationship is. Right. And what I'm getting at, it comes down to what's hard for many people is a real, real, real deep at core selflessness, mm-hmm. other than how rewarded we are from helping people. But that sounds very risky, this selflessness to me. Yeah, well, let me tell you the second thing about accountability. Okay. (laughs) It's vulnerability. It's vulnerability. Uh As soon as you try to hold somebody accountable, now what about you, leader? What about you? Mm -hmm. So like the first time I say, hey, listen, do you think you're doing the very best job you can do? Our first instinct isn't to be like, you know what? Thank you for that question. You know, we're hardwired. We're spring-loaded emotionally, spring-loaded like mousetraps to protect and defend ourselves. Correct, correct. Let me slow down and tell you, let's go back to this buzz by our ear. Can you imagine mm-hmm. if you hear a buzz by your ear? You're going right. to swat and duck immediately, instinctually. Right. But right. what if it's a fly instead of a bee? Now right. you're swatting and ducking instinctually at a non-threat. Right. Here's, I'm going to slow down for this. Are you ready? Okay. Accountability will always feel like an attack to the person not ready. Oh my gosh, that is so true. Accountability will always feel like an attack to the person that's not yet ready to take 100% responsibility for their potential. Mm-hmm, for their potential. It's not, hey, the company needs you, the team needs you, the project needs you, the shareholders need you. It's like, you need you. Right. But if you're a peer... You can only get to that if you have, if you're well, if I, permission and the willingness to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to say it in a more digestible word love. Mm-hmm. Whoa. 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 The L word. <laughs> oh hey, did, Jeff, did I tell you we're talking to a lot of high performing engineers? Yeah, I said it. Love. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everybody Wait a second. <laughs> love doesn't compute. Love, lots can go wrong in love. Love, you can't engineer love. Yes, you can. Anyway, thank you for having fun with me on this. What I mean is, I'm going to refer to another book, M. Scott Peck in The Road Less Traveled. Oh, yes. Life is hard. <laughs> the first three words of the book are life is hard. Difficult, yep. I think he said. But anyway, there's a lot of different ways to refer to a definition of love. But this is important when it comes to accountability and the way I teach it, the way I train it. If a leader wants to be a better leader and they get training from me, they're going to learn their way to lead with love. And what I mean by love is 
the willingness to be vulnerable so that either you or your beloved may grow. So now in this context, our beloved is our peer or whoever's not taking 100% responsibility for their potential. And what we really want is for them to reach their potential. So we have to focus on that first. What makes us vulnerable is the same thing that makes a fly vulnerable to the protection we give ourselves for a bee. We're hardwired to defend ourselves. And the last place we'll look is within. So when it comes to holding somebody accountable, first, I need to earn their permission. And then once I got their permission, now I can deal more easily with the resistance I'm going to get when we get closer and closer to the core and the truth of what's really going on. The truth is you're not afraid of public speaking. The truth is you're afraid of the criticism you'll get after you speak in public. You're not afraid of public speaking. You can't be happy with done is better than perfect. You're not right. afraid of public speaking. In other words, you can say, oh, I'm afraid of public speaking. I'm horrible about public speaking. I never... No, no, no. You just don't know how to prepare or you're not willing to deal with the constructive feedback that will come. Right, right. You don't right. know that the largest room in the world is the room for improvement and you'll get more respect from being vulnerable <laughs> in public speaking. And that'll help you more in your, the respect you get for being vulnerable, for putting your ideas out. It'll help your career more than the fact that there wasn't a comma Instead of a well, oh yeah, that's totally. I mean, people don't even know where commas. But people are. will avoid an opportunity to present their ideas because they're afraid somebody will see the comma that should be a semicolon, and it's like, oh my god, yeah. that's like saying don't go to the beach because you don't want one grain of sand to get underneath your fingernail. Right. Well, that's so true. I can't tell you. I'm sure you've heard this too about people saying that they feel secure as long as they're talking about their domain. Let's say they're a you know a senior manager, but when they want to move up, they have to address and be in audiences and talk about things that they don't. Okay, well, I have, I have something in for inspirational. I hope. Okay. For those people, in entrepreneurial terms, you know, solopreneurial, micropreneurial, you know, non corporate, right? Mm-hmm. But it's got to happen in corporate. It's called imposter syndrome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear if about that. You, all the time. Right, oh, imposter syndrome. So. Oh, I'm an imposter. Am I good enough? I Who am I to do this? Who am I to say this? Who am I to lead? Who am I to tell people what to do? Yeah. Call, that's imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome can prevent us from reaching our potential, right? Right. And getting okay, our deals out. What's the difference between imposter syndrome and just garden variety fear? Ah, this is, thank you. You're I so think that people give way too much importance to imposter syndrome. No, no, no. Well, I don't bring up imposter syndrome in and of and by itself. I brought it up to actually say what you just asked me. Right. Ready? Yeah. The difference between imposter syndrome and garden variety fear (laughs) is a beautiful question, by the way, is that the only person that's afraid of being good enough for their next level is the person that knows they're going to the next level. Whereas garden variety fears are the ones that have no interest in going to any level other than the garden. (laughs) They're staying in the garden. They're staying in the garden. And that's where the manure is. <laughs> well, it could be a pretty garden. <laughs> right? So so imposter syndrome is for the people that want to get to the top so the manure right. can roll downhill. Yeah, yeah. So the manure can roll downhill. Right. The garden also- variety fear is at the garden level where all, where all the manure rolls downhill to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in other words, like I said it the other way around, like partying. I saw a thing from Kobe Bryant, right? I'm a Southern California guy, big Laker fan. You know, if you've, a lot of people have heard about Kobe Bryant. Oh, yeah. Okay. So so I saw a clip from him and he was talking to a bunch of, I believe, students. And, he, and it was like, he's saying, hey, you know what? I had bad communication with my peers. 
because I was in Europe and my dad was a player and they all thought I was privileged and I thought I had a chip on my shoulder and I had to prove myself. And mm-hmm. there was this balance between proving myself and making my own name and not, you know, just riding on the coattails of my father's success in the NBA mm-hmm. versus wanting to actually have connection and have friends. What right, a difficult right. thing for a child, right? We right. can imagine. And so the clip picks up and he says, you know, because of lack of communication with my peers, I wasn't invited to the parties. I wasn't invited to the social gatherings. Oh, wow. On the weekends, the friendly gatherings. And so I wasn't invited to those things. And he would say, I'm quoting him right now because I watched about a hundred times and I could tear up thinking about it. He said, so I would go to my rec room and I would basically dribble and dribble and dribble for hours and hours and hours and literally dribble myself to sleep in the loneliness, Mm -hmm. which is the best thing that ever happened to me because it's where I found the desire motivation to be the very best that I could possibly be at this. Not because of my dad, not because of anybody else, but if I had gone out and gone to social and there may be other things that were more important to me, but I want to be the very best basketball player I could possibly be. And you can only do that if you're willing to be lonely, if you're willing to do four a days, two a days, if you're willing to get up at four o'clock in the morning when you're tired and when, when you're afraid and when you're afraid of missing a shot or you're afraid of getting injured, you, you go anyway. Mm-hmm. Why is it any different for an engineer? Why is it any different for a person of leadership and influence? Why is it any different for a public speaker? Right. I get tied up in the emotion of that because we don't want to miss our opportunity. We don't want to miss our chance to be the very best we can be. And engineers can fool themselves into thinking that I'm only good at what I'm good at. When the truth is the very best you could be is, is waiting for you. And, And the only person that's afraid of being good enough is the person that knows they have to go. They know. Mm-hmm. That's a very insight. They know they're out of integrity if they don't Perception, go. Yes, exactly. So the only person that has imposter syndrome is actually you follow the competitive, the dynamic, the driven, the entrepreneurial, the high achieving, the high performers. And it's tough when it comes to engineers because they can imagine what could go wrong. So imposter syndrome is tougher for engineers. For uh, me, uh, for me, I don't care. I'll go out and make mistakes all day long. I don't care. I'll laugh my way around it. <laughs> right. Yeah, of course, that's a mistake bridges. because I'm not an engineer. Right. right. You know? The only mistake to be afraid of is the one that you don't learn from and grow from. I, I believe that there's no such thing as failure. There's just learning wrapped in a little discomfort. So mm-hmm. engineers out there, if you know your idea is better and if you're tired of watching somebody you don't respect and that bores you to tears, lead the meeting and step up. Yep. Step up and take 100% responsibility for how good you are and you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Ah, love it. All right. We're running out of time, but there's another big topic I want oh. to talk on. But and, and although this is a little bit disorganized because we already left the love topic, <laughs> but I want to give my definition of love, which is actually from a philosopher, but I think it does apply to the work situation. And I liked yours, but I like my definition better. It's to will the good of the other. Mm, That's it. Yeah, it's very similar. Aquinas. To will the good of the other. Yeah. And so that's the thing. That's the thing that people need to understand. Doesn't matter if you're an engineer, speaker, doesn't matter if you're a trainer or a coach, doesn't matter if you're a leader. You want to be a leader in any way, shape or form. You have to be about the others more so than yourself. You will get everywhere you want to go if you commit 100% to helping others get where they want to go. Exactly. So the last topic, now that I got my definition in... (laughs) is about conflict avoidance that we all me and everybody listen we all hate conflict Mm. but that sometimes has a high price to pay and we end up getting into unwanted conflict because we're trying to avoid the conflict yeah yeah. you know setting the rules of engagement the rules of the game the objective all of that helps 
Yeah. But what else do you have to say about that? I'm, <laughs> I'm a big fan of conflict resolution, not okay. conflict avoidance. Okay. Because I'm a fan of conflict. Let me ask you a question. What's positive and what's negative? A pro or a con? Which one's which? What I'm getting at is I'm playing with the words. I would rather call it a proflict than a conflict. Ah, oh my gosh. You are too much. A proflict. A proflict. I'd rather call it profrontation than confrontation. Okay. Because, because when there's conflict, that means there's more than one idea, which means we're winning. If we right. only have one idea, we're losing. So conflict, just by itself, not mm-hmm. the prevention of it or not the resolution of it, but just mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. should be sought after. Okay. It should be celebrated. It should be honored for what it is, is diversity, inclusion, perspective, growth, boundary pushing, innovation, ideation. You with me? That's why I don't like trial and error. Are you kidding? You call it trial and error, then I don't want to try it. Call it trial and success and I'm going to try it. Right. My thing is, is I try not to focus on conflict prevention. Okay. Because conflict is too valuable. What I want to focus on is promoting conflict in structured ways that have resolution built in. So right, where's that structure though is okay. So what yeah. is well, you know, very simply, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but okay. let me just, you know, F I F D F A F U. Okay. <laughs> Ready? F I F D F A and everybody's favorite F U. Uh-huh. F I for information. Mm-hmm. If the agenda item is labeled for information. Now, everybody knows one person is distributing information to the others. So now you don't interrupt. You don't ask questions. You don't argue. It's marked. Who's responsible for delivering information? What information needs to be delivered? How much time does it take to deliver that information? Everybody, that's the function of this item. FD, Mm -hmm. discussion, for For discussion, discussion. Mm -hmm. right? Now the leader, hey, this is for, now that we've been informed, Mm-hmm. Now that we have the current status of information, is there any other information that needs to be shared? All right, now let's discuss. Let's question. Let's ideate. Let's challenge. Let's experiment. Let's throw stuff against the wall. Let's critical think this through. Let's devil advocate it. Let's pressure test it. Let's war game it. Let's hear from everybody, not just the alphas, but hang on a second, right? You'll get your turn. Don't interrupt. Let them finish. Their, so you need moderated turn taking from a good leader. Right. Right. Which helps if you're an empath and you have the soft skills, right? On and on. Right. Okay. But let's discuss. Now you need everybody's voice. Soliciting proflict right there in FD for discussion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at some point, we have to get to FA, mm-hmm. which is for action or accountability. Or agreement. Agreement, you could. But agreement is one thing. And ultimately, it's a form of agreement. It's a decision. Okay. But, uh, but we already used FD for discussion. <laughs> so I use mm-hmm. FA for action or accountability. Okay. Who will be doing what by when? Okay. Whether it's by vote. There's got to be a decision-making structure. Okay. That everybody's engaged with, bought into, mm-hmm. everybody agrees with, right? We all agree we're going to wear clothes when we go to work. Nobody disagrees. <laughs> with so let's right. all agree on how we're going to make a decision after we've informed and discussed. Right. Is it okay. by vote, by delegation? Is it majority vote, or do we need an extra? Do we need an extra sixty to break the filibuster? Do the rules change, or do we agree on the rules? Are we changing right. rules in certain situations? And like, what's the agreement on how decisions get made? But we need to ultimately agree on how we arrive at who will be doing what by when. Okay. And we have to agree if we have six different ideas about how we're going to do something, five ideas are not going to be chosen. We all have to be agree- okay with that in exchange for the fact that we got to voice our idea in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have to ultimately engage in the group, the team, the project. We got opportunities to be empowered, to make our individual contributions, but we can't take it personally. We can't sabotage. It's got to be within the framework of what the, the organization, the team, the group, the project needs. 
usually everybody's individual needs will be served with that commitment to the greater good, right? Right. So FA is there should be decision-making structure for how we arrive at who does what by when, but in meeting situations that can be documented and it can be objective rather than subjective. And then finally, FU mm-hmm. is for unity, for, for unity, for morale, for, for team building, for mutual motivation, for shared values, for, you know, a task oriented group. They don't have to be best friends. They don't even have right. to like each other. It just helps. Right. right. You know? In a relational group, they don't have to have a whole bunch of tasks, but they need some. What we're talking about, Laura, from the land of communication is group communication and Mm -hmm. leadership and effective meetings for task-oriented groups where you can manage conflict positively, not prevent it so that we don't benefit from it. Those those are some brief takes on that topic. Right. Yeah, I know. I'm always solving world hunger in five minutes or at least trying. (laughs) Well, I want, hey, do I not try? Anyway, I, I just... I knew I knew we'd have so much to talk about, Laura. I hope that this has been wonderful enough for me to be invited back. At, oh, at yes! No, this has been great, everybody. So I know you. We're coming to the end. It's sad that this is this conversation <laughs> is ending, but I know you've all enjoyed Jeff Klubeck. Not only have you gotten tips and perspectives on influence, persuasion, accountability, and conflict, but you've got a whole new vocabulary. (laughs) And we've got all these new words to use at work today. So Jeff, how can they get in touch with you? Very simply, I would love for people to go to the integritygame.com. Okay. This is the new brand. This is the new comprehensive approach to personal professional growth and installing culture of integrity inside of organizations. It can work for individuals, teams, groups, et cetera. It's a book that introduces the model and and so forth. I would love for people to just go to the integritygame.com, learn about the book in exchange for your email address. I'll send you a free copy of the book in Mm -hmm. PDF form. Other than that, if people want to know about services I provide and so forth, like that's getaclue.net as of right now, G E T A. K-L-U, G-E-T-A-K-L-U, getaclue.net. That's where they can learn about my coaching, my consulting, my training. People can sign up for two complimentary coaching sessions with one of the coaches that I've trained. Or if they mention, hey, I heard you on Laura's podcast. Is there a chance that you could do the sessions with me, Jeff? Put that in the notes and I'd be happy to. Any of your guests, I'd be happy to prioritize them for myself rather than dole them out to one of my coaches. Oh, perfect. This is awesome. Yeah. All right. So that was just an armload of diamond-studded platinum wisdom bombs for everybody listening and extra cool vocabulary words to boot. So thank you all for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Goodbye for now.